Thank you, friend. I'm here to introduce our speaker. As you may know, uh, Pastor and his wife, Shannon, took Andrew to college. So pray for Andrew and that huge transition, and they'll be back next week. But I'm here to introduce Mel Mullen and his wife, Heather. Check this out. They are co-founders of Home Church in Alberta, Canada, actually in Red Deer, Canada, and you, co you founded that in 1972, is that right? So that means what? If I can do it, 50 years. So they started the same time Kauai Bible Church did. So praise God for that. We are so glad that Mel is here. The church is growing there. It's a multi-site church, and I'm sure he'll tell us about it, with over 100 locations around the world. Mel and Heather continue to serve the vision of the Home Church Canada under the direction of his son, Jason. And I've never seen Jason spelled this way before. You'll have to tell us about it. It's J-A-J-A-C-H-I-N. So you're going to have to come up and display that. Jason. And his wife, Becca. And they're now the, the lead pastors at that church. So praise God for handing that off. And they also travel extensively. Mel was invited to be here for the 50th, but he told me he's got... Uh, he had to make a choice between Kauai and Africa. So we'll let him explain that. But they speak regularly at conferences, leadership events, and churches in the larger body of Christ. Their vision is to fulfill the Great Commission, make disciples of Jesus, train leaders, and build God's great church in the world. And he has published two books, uh, Experience Jesus and His Church, A Journey to a Greater Spiritual Life. And then the second book I happen to have, Be a Man. A real look at of real men facing real issues. And you might say, that's kind of a weird title, Be a Man, but it's from the Bible. And I read the book, and he quotes it in there from 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. So you have to look it up to see, where does it say in the Bible, Be a Man? It says it there. And then he also has written discipleship materials that are available. But more than all that, they've been friends of KBC for years. He's preached here many times and spoken at prophetic conferences here. He's prophesied over our church and has walked with us through the years. Along with Emmanuel Canastracy, they led an apostolic leadership conference in Honolulu for many years, where some of us at KBC have attended. They frequent Kauai, so if you see them on the road some other time, they come to Kauai. And they have a close relationship with our church and its leaders. So Mel and Heather have two children, and I'll let you explain the rest. Well, please welcome Mel Mullen and his wife, Heather. Yep. Thank you, and it's a joy to be with you this morning. I'm very glad to be in church. Are you happy? Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. I'm so glad to be with you. You know, uh, for many, many years, I had the privilege of coming here when the Walkers were pastoring. Of course, got to know your pastor, Aaron, and his wife in recent years. We still conduct a conference, and we're actually anticipating another one with Apostle C in February of 2023. And uh, that announcement will soon be made. And um, it's just uh, its so exciting to be with you this morning. Um, my son's name is Jaken. And my wife took his name out of the Bible where there were two pillars in the church, uh, in, the, in the temple, in the temple of Solomon. 
and she found that scripture where the, the two pillars, one was Boaz and one was Jacob. And the word Jacob means pillar. So when my son was a little boy like this, we would go into the shopping mall and the lady would say, and the, the, the second name, she named him uh, Jacob and Jacob Kirk, which Kirk is the Scottish name for church. And he would, uh, uh, the lady would say, and, and little boy, what is your name? And he would say, Jake and Kirk, I'm a pillar in the church. Come on, son. <laughs> and that's it. He's fulfilling his, his name. And I'm glad after many, many years transitioning the leadership of our church to my son, who gives even better leadership than I gave for many, 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 we gave for many, many years. And now I serve him because our church went multi-site international. We have churches in 18 different nations, and I oversee all of the international, and so I'm in five or six international trips every year training leaders and multiplying our church in the nations, and uh, we're in the greatest, biggest, greatest, bigger, better, greater days of the church right now. By the way, 50, everybody said 50. 50 is really important because it's the year of Jubilee, it's the year to celebrate it, but it's also the year when you start over. Fifty is always the year the debts were canceled and everything started over again. And so the next months of relaying the foundation of the church is so very, very important and getting another start. Of course, we know, I believe, that the COVID, last two or three years of COVID actually uh, prepared the harvest. It actually ripened the harvest. People are more open to the gospel, more open to Jesus, more open to the church than they've ever been, never been in my, in my years of existence. And we believe that we're entering into the greatest era, not just season, the greatest era of the, of the church is yet to break forth upon us. Come on, somebody. And the bigger, better, greater days of Kauai Bible Church are just before you. You can say, well, you look back at what God has done 50 years, but you've got to look ahead at what he's going to do. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Because the bigger, better, greater days of this church are just before you. And so this morning, I'm going to read a scripture. I want you to flash a picture there. I'm going to take you on a journey to Caesarea Philippi where Jesus said, I will build my church. Would you like to stand up and we'll read the scripture together? I'll face the scripture and we'll read it together. Would you do this with me? <coughs> so let's see how we do in this. Read it real loud. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven 
Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. amen. Put your hand up and say, take your hand like this, put it up to the Lord. Say, Lord, <clears throat> now put your hand in your heart and say, help me to grow and change as I understand your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Weeks before the crucifixion, Jesus takes his disciples. It was just weeks before. He goes and takes them to Caesarea Philippi, which is the, on, right on the northern border of, of Israel. And there he takes them for a, a significant moment of relationship with him to do two things. He wants to establish in them who he is. Now, if you read the scripture, you'll understand that, that his whole life was, a, was, a, was a, a controversy because he said he was God and they said he is not. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am Jehovah. They said, you are not. He claimed to be eternal and they claimed that he was just born in Bethlehem. He said, and all of the controversy happened over who Jesus claimed to be. He said he was God. They said he is not. So he takes them to Caesarea Philippi, and he addresses himself as the Son of Man, because we understand that Jesus was the Son of Man. He was a human being, but he was also the Son of God. He was God himself. You see, everyone has some beliefs about who Jesus is. Everybody on planet Earth has some concept or understanding. Some might say, they might say, well, when you say, who's Jesus? They might say, well, he's unknown to me. Others might say, well, he's the historical Jesus, the one who separates the calendar from A.D. and B.C. Others might say he's the leader of a religion. Some might say, like Nicodemus said, he's a man sent from God. Others might say, well, he was just a good man. In this passage of scripture, they ask the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that you are, are some say that you are the prophet. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you are one of the greats that was raised from the dead. But who do you say that I, the son of man, am? You see, everybody has a different Jesus. We were living in Calgary, Alberta, quite a number of years ago. And I would go down, and we were starting a new church branch in Calgary. So I would preach on Saturday night and then drive home, live there part-time. And we were living in a beautiful high-rise apartment on the 12th floor overlooking the river. Because I traveled so much, <coughs> I would get a taxi. And the taxi man would come and pick me up and give me about a 20-minute drive to the airport. And I encountered a wonderful relationship with a young man who was of another religion. And as I'm sitting in the back seat of the car, I'm sitting in the back, taxi driver is in the front on the left, we would begin to have conversation about Jesus. 
I would ask him about his faith and his religion and what he believed about Jesus. And, and then I discovered that he was married to a wonderful Christian woman who belonged to the Jesus is Lord Church. So I said to him, I said, well, who is Jesus to you? And he said, well, he is one of our prophets. Then I said to him, well, the Jesus that you have is a different Jesus than the Jesus your wife has. Your wife, the, one of the members of Jesus is Lord, Lord Church, believes that Jesus is God. You believe he's just a prophet. You see, the question is really the foundation of your faith is, who is Jesus? Who is he? Not only historically relationship, but who is he to you? In fact, in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote and he talked about the issue of people are preaching another Jesus. And actually, if you study the history of the Christian church from its beginning, the issue really was even in the early days, Pre preceding uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the next 300 years was an issue. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? In fact, the third uh, conference of the Christian church in, 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 in about 300 AD established the whole doctrine of the Trinity that put Jesus as a co-equal with God the Father, God the Son, and, and they were co-equal, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Who is Jesus? to you and that's really the foundation of your faith is he just a historical Jesus is he just a Jesus who is who marks history is he just a prophet to you is he a teacher is he just a good man or is Jesus the Christ the son of the living God this is the issue of Christianity that you must face and lay as a foundation of your faith who is Jesus to you? And so he looks at his disciples and he says, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then he looks at them and says, But who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And then Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the foundation of your faith. So two questions. Number one, who is Jesus? But secondly, who and what is the church? So Jesus established this principle. One of the great theologians that I work with, he said this, well, the church is the people of God. How many of you will agree with that? Church is the people. Come on, say, the church is. Thank God we're the people of God. Give the Lord a shout, hallelujah. We are the people of God. I remember preaching in, in England many years ago. And the English, they would stand there and they were so staunchy and they were so, uh, you know, discipled and so committed that they would square their shoulders and they would say, we're the people of God, bought by the blood. Come on, amen. And they were proud of the fact that they are the people of God. But secondly, in the Bible, the church is the congregation. It's known in the Bible as as, as, as the congregation in the wilderness. 
And it's the story of Moses, and it actually brings the foundation of what the church is. It's in my book. Come on, somebody. Experience Jesus and his church. Sorry, I don't have copies with you, but I'd like you to get a copy because it describes to us and lays the foundation because people are so confused about church. In fact, they, you know, a lot of pastors, in fact, probably 20% of pastors are just shutting down church and just going on Zoom. But I'm going to tell you something. There's more to church than Zoom. Come on, amen. Thank God for Zoom, but there's more to church than Zoom. In my book, it describes it, and it finds it's actually in the, in the, in the, in the description of the church where Moses took the rod, and he delivered the children of Israel. And they're known to us as the called out. Say it with me. Called out people of God. The saved people of God. God delivered them. You remember when God saved you, delivered you, freed you, took your bondage from you? Come on, amen. Set you free from your sins. Come on. Redeemed you. Come on, shout hallelujah. There was a moment of your salvation when God called you out of darkness into his glorious light. You're the called out people. Imagine the children of Israel as they come out and Moses stretches the rod, delivers them from Egypt. They put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintels and they walk out healed everyone. Come on, somebody said amen. Because part of your salvation is in your healing and your deliverance and your wholeness. You are called out. But secondly, you are gathered. And the church is the gathering. This is why it's so, so important. If somebody's watching me this morning, maybe I should be back here. I'm going to tell you something. Get back to church. Come on, amen. Get back to church. Zoom church ain't enough. you got to get back to church. The gathering of the people of God. Imagine what it must have been like. Three and a half million people with all their dogs and donkeys and camels and all the things that they possessed in their bags and their possessions and their children, their herds, their animals, everything. And they are the gathered people of God and they are just there. It's like a mess. Come on, somebody. Sometimes church is just a mess. Come on, amen. It's just a bunch of people getting together. Come on, amen. And they're the gathered people of God. But then as you follow the story of the children of Israel, they become the assembled people of God. And church is an assembly. Say it with me, assembly. Which means it, it's a picture of people being assembled. And in the Bible, there's five pictures of the church. There's the building. There's the body. There's the family. Come on, amen. There's the bride. And there is the soldier or the army of the Lord. Come on, say it with me. We are the building. Say it with me. Building, body, family, bride, army of the Lord. We are the assembled people of God. We come together and we're connected to one another. Hallelujah. This message has got to go around the world because it's about time the church came back. Come on, out of fear and degradation and COVID and all the negative things that have happened. We just got to get back to God and get back to church where we belong and where we are assembled. See, Jesus is the rock. Now get the picture. <clears throat> go back to that picture right there. Jesus takes his disciples. By the way, if you 
uh, go to go to Israel, which I'd love to take some of you there. I've been there never several times, and I took this group of 28 to to Caesarea Philippi. This is the actual site where Jesus stood and spoke to his disciples. I want you to get a picture. Jesus is standing here on the rock. His disciples are there, like you, looking back at this picture. And here they see the gods on the, that are imprinted on the wall. The Greeks came, and for 400 to 600 years, they came to worship their gods that were imprinted on the walls. Beside this was the Temple of Pan. And the Temple of Pan was a place where the Greeks came to worship their god Pan, which means the nourisher of life. Because out from under this rock, if you were there, you would see a mighty stream of water that would flow out to feed all of the nation and, and, and fertilize its crops and its, its future. And it was, it was, a, it was the, the god Pan they worshipped. There was the, the one who, who nourished life and brought life back. Now get the picture. They're standing here. He, Jesus is here, and they're standing there, and he's asking the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they're looking at the wall. They're seeing the temple of Pan. And he begins to talk to them about, about who he is and what his beliefs are and what he is going to establish because Jesus is the foundation. Say it with me foundation of the church he's not only the foundation of the church he's the cornerstone of the church to which everything is aligned and so the church is the called out the gathered and the assembled people of God and he's standing there and he begins to give a destruction uh, an instruction to his people I will build my church and the gates and here's the gates of hell right there pictured right there in in the big cave the gates of hell will not prevail against him by the way we are in a prevailing victorious glorious hallelujah wonderful church come on amen that cannot be stopped Church is the called out. Say with me. Called out. Gathered. But assembled. Assembled like a building. Like a building. Like, you see, we are the building. This is a building, but we're the building. Jesus is the foundation of the building. And when we come together as, as pillars, leaders in the church and lively stones, we create a place where God, when we come together, comes together with us. And there he meets us in the building. It's his building. And when he prays, we praise him and worship him. He comes to fill the place with his glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. We are the building of God. Secondly, we're the body. Say it with me, body. And the body is a bunch of assembled parts connected one to another with ligaments and joints, covenant relationships, commitments that are made to one another in faithfulness and loyalty. Come on, somebody. 
I tell people, be loyal to God. Be loyal to your pastor. Be loyal to your leaders. Come on, amen. Get into covenant relationship and commit yourself. It's not a loosey-goosey, just a bunch of late relationships. It's about a commitment to God and his church and to the leaders he's appointed. Come on, somebody. Preach. All of a sudden, you got quiet. What happened? Church is a building. Number two, it's a body. Number three, it's a family. And we come into that family by adoption and by new birth and, and adoption. We're born again by the spirit of the living God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then God adopts us into his family. And you may have come from the mainland, but this church has adopted you. And you're actually part of the family of Kauai Bible Church. Come on, amen. You belong here. Building, body, family, bride. The loving relationship between his church and the bridegroom. That sweet relationship of communion and fellowship and relationship. And finally, we are the army. Everybody said the army of the Lord. Come on, amen. And when that lady has cancer, come on, amen. We're in the battle with her until she gets the victory. Because we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. What is the church? Number one, the say with me, the people of God. Number two, the congregation. Number three, the building, the body, the family, and the soldier. Come on, amen. And we are, we are who God designed us to be, the church of the living God. Come on, established in local churches in every community on God's planet Earth. That's who we are. We are the church. Look at somebody and say, we are the church. Hallelujah. Look, we are the church. I'm going to get back to my notes. I promised my son I would preach with my notes. A number of, years, a number of months ago, he says, Dad, you just get off the subject all the time. And I, I, just, I just run down rabbit, rabbit, not rabbit trails. Come on, you don't have rabbits here, do you? We do. Pig trails. Well, here you run down pig trails. Come on in. Canada's rabbits. Come on, amen. The church is number one, the people of God. Say with me, the people of God. Two, the congregation. Number three, the body, the building, the family, the bride, the soldier. Now, here's one you've got to get in your life. You've got to understand this. The church is the most important place on earth. Now, I'm going to quote it to you from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 from the NLT. I should have flashed it on the screen, but didn't send these notes. In the last days, would anybody think that we just might be there, the last days? The mountain of the Lord's house will be established, will be the highest of them all, the most important place on earth. Say it with me. The most important place on earth. Say it again. The most. Say it again. The most important place on earth. Let me talk to you about this. Because is your home important? Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Is your family important? Yes. Is the place you work important? Yes. Is the police station important? Oh, it went quiet. <laughs> Is the government office place important? Well, there's some hesitancy. I'm playing with your mind a little bit. But God in his word says it's the most important place on earth. Because let me ask you the question, where can you go to get your soul saved, your body healed, your marriage renewed? Come on, amen. Where can you go where you can, come on, amen. Where can you go to get your needs met, your fellowship? Where can you go to get the counsel you need for your life? Where can you go to be covered and prayed for and protected by the Lord? Where can you go that is anywhere equal to the house of the living God? That's why you've got to be committed to it. Because it is. Let me read it again. In the last day, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the t established the highest of them all, the most important place on earth. It will be, I'm going to read it, and the people from all over the world will stream there to, to worship. We're, what we're finding in our own churches, especially in Canada, man, we become a multi, multicultural, multi-nation, multi-ethnic church. We were one-time Caucasian, nothing but, nothing but white people in our city. And now we got every color and every creed. And in our church, we got 42 different nations. Come on, amen. All worshiping, putting their hands up and praising God together. Come on, amen. All nations will come and worship. They will stream there to worship. They will say, and this is, here's your message. Come. Come, Mr. Banker. With me to the Lord's house. And there, Pastor Aaron will teach us his ways. I'm putting his name in the verse of scripture. And there we will learn to walk. Everybody said walk in his path. What's the Christian life? It's about ways and walk. Say it with me, ways and walk. Way, say it with me, ways and walk. You come to church to learn about the ways of God and how to walk with God. Come on, amen. How to walk with your family. How to walk in your relationship. How to walk in your marriage. How, everybody needs to get their walk fixed. That's what the church is all about. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. And it goes on to say there, it's a picture of the church today. Come, my neighbor, my banker, my doctor, my friend. We need to learn the paths and ways of God. And then last of all, it's the center of life. Now think about this. When Moses took the rod and pointed it out, Delivered the children of Israel, brought them out of Egypt, delivered by the power of God, took them through the Red Sea, water baptism, put the cloud on them. They got the Holy Ghost. They went to Sinai and got the law, learned how to live according to the Ten Commandments. Some of you know it's still relevant. Don't steal, don't commit adultery. Come on, amen. It's still in the Bible. It's still some good rules. Somebody said amen. And they get out there, and then they build a tabernacle, in the wilderness, which was in the, in the center of it was the pillar of the the, 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 the pillar that came out of the uh, uh, out of the, uh, uh, the in in the middle of the tabernacle came out of and it spread out covering the people 
a light, a light by night, a light by day, fire by night, light by night and fire by night. And it was covered and they were protected. They were in the church. Protected. Come on, somebody. Protected. I watch a lot of people that get out from the church and what are they? They're not protected. I'm talking to you. That's why you need to be in the church under the covering of your pastor and leaders and protected by God in the covering of his protection that is specifically designed for every local church. And they wake up in the morning. Now, get the picture of this. They wake up in the morning. Is that east or is that south? Is this east? The guys in the east, there were three tribes in the east. They would wake up in the morning, flip open the tab, uh, flip open the tab of their of their of, uh, of their tent, and flip it open, and walk out. And what did they see? The presence of God, the tabernacle. People are in the west. They would wake up in the morning, and they would flip open the tent, flip the, and they would look out. And Dad would look out, and he what would he see? He would see the church. People are on the other side. They would open up the tent. They would walk out. They'd flip it open. And what would they see? Moses and the, and the Levites. And they would see the presence of God. And they would see the church. And on the other side, come on, amen, they would open up the flap, flip, flip the flap open and open up. And what did they see? And let me ask you, what do you see? More people say, well, my life, my job, my da 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 And they, they become church attenders, not centered on the Bible and the church. Somebody said amen. Amens are a little weak. See, guilty. Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> what do you see? You see, you've got to realize that the church is the center of life. It is here that you get God's word on a weekly basis and you live it out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday with your own personal relationship with God in his word and in your family relationship. Come on, amen. And you come on back to church on Sunday. Not assemble, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. The center of life. Everybody said Center. Gathered, assembled, equipped. So what the church is to equip you, train you, and send you. So we'll get back to the definition, which I skipped over. The church is the called out. Say it with me, called out, gathered, assembled, equipped, trained, Ephesians 4.11, equipping of the saints, sent, which is your mission field Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Come on, amen. And you say to them, come on with me to church on Sunday because you're sent to share the good news of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Bring them to the house of God. Get them discipled. Establish them in the church. I, 
I'm not selling my products here, but I, we have a discipleship program, and I'm sure your pastor is going to do exactly the same. But we have a discipleship program, and it was very interesting. And just having some very short text messages with your pastor, he talked about discipleship. And discipleship is so important at this historic time because thousands, say it with me, thousands. Thousands of people on this island are believers that have never been discipled. You walk down there, do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. What church do you go to? I go to the Catholic church. I will go to the Episcopal church. I go, I believe in Jesus. But they've never been discipled and Jesus didn't tell us to just go preach the gospel. And by the way, that, that mandate or commission was not just for pastors and the key leaders. Jesus gave the commission to go and preach the gospel and make disciples to every believer. And we've got to train you to go out there Win people, bring people, get them saved, come on, hallelujah, and then begin the process of discipleship. Let me tell you one story. <coughs> Jack came to church in Red Deer. It was Easter Sunday. Jack founded a business called Jacksville. He sells silver and gold. He's got the silver and gold business. In Red Deer, you can go buy silver coins and gold coins. You can buy them and stack them, put them in a bag, hide them in your closet, put them under your mattress. <laughs> a bunch of business leaders started giving me silver coins for Christmas. I said, thank you so much. Oh, I got a whole bag full. Come on, hallelujah. My daughter, she likes to go through my bag of silver and count it up because one day she knows she'll be the inheritor. Well, Jack came to church, and I met him at the door, several hundred people in church. <clears throat> in fact, we had a lot of people in church. I meet him at the door, and I said, Jack, where are you? And, oh, yeah, I got a few silver coins, too. And I said, I want to meet with you. So we had coffee, and I talked to him. I shared with him my story of salvation. How oh, I got saved as a little child, seven years of age, at a Children's Crusade in Estevan, Saskatchewan, where I was born and raised. And, uh, and we get connected in friendship. And so two weeks later, I meet with him and I offer him my packet. I'm sure your pastor is going to create his own packet. I got mine. It's got the seven lessons. And the seven lessons of discipleship are salvation, water baptism, the Holy Spirit, devotional life, Praise and worship, lordship, and the church. And the goal of discipleship is to make a follower of Jesus in the fellowship of his church. Yeah. What's the goal of discipleship? Is to get somebody saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost in a relationship with God, devotional life. Come on, praise and worshiping. We're not a traditional non-worshiping church. Just say quiet prayers. Come on, amen. We believe in the Lordship of Jesus. Come on, he's not just the Savior, he's the Lord. And our goal is to get you planted, rooted, and related, and committed into the local church. Well, I start discipleship with Jack. <clears throat> and he tells me 
that 25 years ago he was a believer in Jesus. And then he turned atheist. And he trained his children in atheism. But on that Sunday that he came, he put his hand up. The second Sunday, he put his hand up. He came. Actually, I gave him my card. And my card says, come sit with me, which is a strategy that we're using. Come sit with me. I'll meet you at the door. Come sit with me, or I'll give you a ride in my car. Come sit with me. So he comes, and of course, Heather and I are always in the front row. We got 800 to 900,000 people in church. And he's sitting there with me. And at the end of the altar, at the time of the altar call, he puts his hand up to receive Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah, which is the moment of church. The moment we're praying for every Sunday, all week long we're praying and gearing up for that moment. It's the most important moment when you come together, you worship, you got the tithe, you got the message, but there's a moment when a person puts his hand up and says, Jesus, come into my life. And supernaturally, he gets born again by the spirit of the living God. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the moment of church. So I meet with Jack and give him the, the lesson on discipleship. Where did that thing go? Here it is. I give him the first lesson. And two weeks later, I meet with him. And I said to him, are you saved? He said, well, and I asked him the question. If you died, would you go to heaven? And he said, I don't know. If God can forgive me for training my children in atheism. And I said, Psalms, I think it's 102 or 103. He forgives all our transgressions. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And forgives all of our iniquities. And I said this day, I want you to, when we separate from one another, I want you to know that God's forgiven you. You're a child of God. You're going to be with go to be with Jesus, and be in heaven. And he said, "Okay," and he wrote on the bottom of the card right here on the bottom of the lesson. It's got a bunch of scriptures there. On the bottom of the lesson, now I know, I am saved. Come on, now I have the assurance of my salvation. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Could you help somebody get the assurance of their salvation? Look at somebody and point your finger and say, yes, you could. <laughs> yes, you can. You too, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Because your, your pastor is going to lead you in a program. I know he's going to do it. Of discipleship, getting you out there into the harvest fields. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Because the harvest is ripe in Kauai. It's the greatest day of the church. People are more open to the gospel than at any historic time. They will come to church if you'll just say, come sit with me. Let me wrap this up. Somebody say, hurry up, pastor. My time is up. What do you need to do? Number one, win people to Christ. 
Bring them. Don't just invite them, bring them. Get a bringing culture working in your church. That's what we're working on in Canada. Get a bringing culture back. It's in my book. Get the bringing culture back in your church. Win, make disciples, and build. Jesus said, I will build. Edificio is the original language. I will edifice. I will build my church. And how do you build it? Block by block, stone by stone. Come on, amen. Person by person coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you bring them in and put them in the wall of the church and settle them in as a living stone. Chip off some of the old corners. And make that person into the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Now, here's the question. Will you do it? Will you do those three things? Win. Say it with me. Win. Disciple. Build. Say it again. Win. Disciple. Build. Win. Disciple. Build. Jesus said, I will build my church. Through who? Through you. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, somebody might be here this morning, and you have maybe prayed some prayers, believed in your heart, but you really need to establish. There's somebody here this morning. I'm just speaking to somebody that you need to establish your new birth experience that you, you've believed in your heart, but you haven't really confessed it with your mouth and you, you don't really know that you're saved. But this morning, I want to pray for you that you will not only establish your belief, but you, you'll know. Everybody said you'll know. You can know that you have the gift of eternal life. You're here this morning and maybe a bit of uncertainty or maybe this message is new to you for the first time. And you say, Pastor, I need to pray a prayer. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to do the Billy Graham altar call. I'm just going to let you sit right in your seat. Because God can meet you in your seat as much as he can meet you right here. And you can say, Pastor, I, I want to know that I know. I want to believe and I want to know that I have the free gift of eternal life. I want to be saved. I want to be saved, delivered, healed, made whole today at Kauai Bible Church. So if you everybody just bow your head for just 10 seconds, if that's you and you say, I need, to, I need to respond to this call, I need to pray a prayer right there in my seat, I'm going to invite you to put up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. And I'm going to count three. And when, after when I say three, just put your hand up. One, two, three. Hold it up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Yes, thank you, sir two sirs this morning. Now would everybody put their hand up with these two gentlemen and say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the son of God. You came 2,000 years ago to earth to give me the free gift of eternal life. I now 
receive that free gift of eternal life. Thank you for coming into my heart right now. Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins, cleaning the slate, making my life clean so I can walk with you the rest of my life and have abundant life here and eternal life there in heaven with you for eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, would you do this, church family? Would you give the biggest clap offering you've ever given and just say, welcome to the family of God. And I want to pray. For, now I'd like to just pray for this church right now. Father, I pray for Pastor Aaron and his beautiful wife and family who serve this church so well. I'm asking you, God, that the next 10 years will be the greatest years of Kauai Bible Church. Yes. Greatest years of growth, discipleship, increase, people finding Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I pray, Lord, when I come back, Lord, this building won't contain it many, many times. And Father, they'll be forced to build the vision that was given to this church years ago. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mel. Let's give him a big hand. Thank you so much for coming for an awesome time of preaching.